This is Fearless Rebel Radio, a podcast about body positivity, self-worth, anti-dieting, and feminism. I am your host, Summer Inanen, a professionally trained coach specializing in body image, self-worth, and confidence, and the best-selling author of Body Image Remix. If you're ready to break free of societal standards and stop living behind the number on your scale, then you have come to the right place. Welcome to the show. What's up, everybody? This is episode 79 of Fearless Rebel Radio, and I am giving you an epic guide to body image and body positivity with tons of theory on all of the most important concepts. This is applicable to those of you that are newer to this work and for those of you that are more awakened. You can find all of the links and resources, and there are a lot mentioned in this podcast at summerinanen.com forward slash 79. That's seven nine. Before we begin, I have two announcements. First, if you haven't already done so, I would greatly appreciate it if you went to iTunes to leave a review for this podcast. Leaving a review helps others to find this show and the information you are learning here. In other words, you are contributing to the revolution to end diet culture by leaving a review. You can do that by heading to iTunes, searching for Fearless Rebel Radio, then click Ratings and Reviews and click to leave a review or give it a rating. Secondly, you can get the free 10-day body confidence makeover at summerinanen.com forward slash freebies with 10 steps to take right now to feel better in your body. Let's start this show with a quote. A culture fixated on female thinness is not an obsession about female beauty, but an obsession about female obedience. Dieting is the most potent political sedative in women's history. A quietly mad population is a tractable one. Naomi Wolf, The Beauty Myth Did you know that according to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Service, 91% of all women are unhappy with their bodies and resort to dieting? 80% of women say the images of women in the media makes them feel insecure? 58% of college-aged girls feel pressured to be a certain weight. 42% of girls in first through third grade want to be thinner. 81% of 10-year-olds are afraid of being fat. And the total annual revenue of the weight loss industry is $55.4 billion. That's 55 times more than Dr. Evil's ransom. I will link to those stats in the show notes, again, at summerinanin.com forward slash 79. How much brain power would go into more worthwhile causes if women didn't feel this way? What would be possible if that $55.4 billion was invested in causes such as saving the environment, ending world hunger, social justice initiatives, and improving education? Think about that for a minute. I'm telling you this because I want you to understand why advocating for body positivity and fighting against the systems that have caused us to think our bodies are a problem is so important. So I invite you into this episode of Fearless Rebel Radio to learn more about body image, body positivity, and what you can do for yourself and others. I wanted to create this episode as a resource for people who are newer to body positivity and body image work, and also for those that are perhaps invested in it already, but want to learn more. Or you want to share this kind of information with somebody you know, but you haven't been able to find a really condensed way to share it. This is the episode you're going to want to share. 
The purpose of this episode is to have something available that explains the core concepts of body image and body positivity. Most of the things that I'm talking about in this episode are not in my book, Body Image Remix, which is why I wanted to create this as an accompaniment. If you're looking for more practical ways to change your body image, definitely get my book, Body Image Remix, and you can find that at summerinandin.com forward slash book, also linked in the show notes for this episode. So in this episode, I'm going to be talking about what is body image, where does it come from, I'm going to talk about the social and psychological factors that contribute to the way we feel about our bodies. I'm going to talk about what it means to have a positive body image and bust some of the common myths. I'm going to talk about the different stages that we go to in order to get to a place where we feel comfortable in our skin. I'm going to give you an abbreviated summary of popular terminology in the body positive and anti-diet community. And I'm going to give you a body positivity 101 and why it is so much more than half-naked selfies. And then finish up with some things that you can do to advocate for body positivity. Let's start with the basics. What is your body image? In a nutshell, your body image is the way you feel about your body. And you can measure your body image by looking at two things. One, the reliance of your self-worth on your appearance. In other words, whether or not your weight and perception of your appearance dictate how you feel about yourself. And two, the amount of time invested in negative thoughts about your appearance. According to the National Eating Disorder Information Center, symptoms of a poor body image include dissatisfaction with appearance, over-reliance of appearance to define who you are, excessive appearance management behavior such as over-grooming and mirror-checking, or the over-underestimation of body size. I have a checklist you can download called 10 Signs Your Body Image Could Use a Tune-Up to help you assess your body image, and that is available for free in the show notes for this episode at summerinandin.com forward slash 79. Let's talk about why we feel negatively about our bodies and the relationship between beauty standards and body image. We are not born hating our body. When you see a beautiful little baby coming into this world, they think that they are the greatest thing ever. They do not hate their body. That is a learned behavior, which also means that we can unlearn it. But let's deconstruct where these feelings come from. Our culture has reinforced a belief in us that only certain bodies are worthy and that as women, our appearance defines our worthiness. Our culture teaches us that beauty is our badge of honor And it's something we should be striving for. And the appearance that we strive for is dictated by the beauty standard of the moment and what we interpret to be considered, quote unquote, desirable, most often by the opposite sex. The most common beauty standard we see in North American culture is thin, young, white women. Think about beauty standards over the years and how they've changed. They're always changing and the beauty standard of the moment is what is considered socially acceptable, and we're led to believe that if we can achieve this standard, we will unlock social power. Social power meaning privilege accompanied with love, happiness, confidence, success, and a perfect life. Many of us invest into meeting these beauty standards in an effort to achieve this fantasy lifestyle that we think will absolve us of any emotional hardships and discomfort. In other words, We think that if we fit the mold of what is considered attractive, our life will be perfect. 
Since it's almost impossible to achieve this standard, because most of the time it's not even real because it's photoshopped, but also because only a small fraction, 5% of the population, have the body that looks like this standard, we feel inadequate. And we project that inadequacy onto our bodies, thinking that changing it is the solution. Another term I want to familiarize you with is body currency. And this definition is pulled from Jess Baker's book, Things No One Will Tell Fat Girls, which I will also link to in the show notes. And it's an amazing book, highly recommended as one of my top books to read for body positivity. She says, body currency is this. We are taught that as a society, that if we achieve the ideal body that we see in traditional media and not before, we will then obtain love, worthiness, success, and ultimately happiness. So our bodies are our currency. And I would like to change that. We can get into some of the history of this, but I'm not going to do that in this episode. But I want to just highlight one thing really briefly. This desire for us to be accepted and liked is in our DNA. It's in our DNA because as women, we needed to be accepted and liked in order to survive. Throughout the vast majority of time that we've been on this earth, our survival as women has been dependent on being liked being and being a part of the tribe. And being accepted and being liked is equated to being desirable. So this has an influence on why we chase after these beauty standards and why it's so hard to break away from the pack. The story that we've been taught from a very young age is that beauty unlocks social power and acceptance, and it's something that we need to be striving for. That's important to know because in order to change our culture, we need to start teaching the youths that attractiveness is unimportant, that all bodies are good, and that all bodies deserve to be treated equally and are worthy of respect and love. Let's break this down even further to deconstruct where our body image comes from. Body image is the result of social oppressions and psychological factors. Your body image is the result of social oppressions and psychological factors. First, let's talk about the social oppressions. These are things like sexism, classism, racism, ableism, ageism, heterosexism, and size discrimination. They all have an influence on our body image. Obviously, size discrimination has one of the bigger influences on our body image in that it instills a belief that fat is bad and thin is good. But all of these oppressive systems can overtly and subtly inculcate a belief of inferiority in marginalized groups. And these feelings of inferiority directly impact the way we feel about ourselves. Now, you might be asking, what does inferiority have to do with body image? And this is something I talked about with Virgie Tovar in episode 77, because it has everything to do with body image. If we didn't feel inferior, we wouldn't hate our bodies. Our bodies would not be a concern. We direct our feelings of inferiority back on our body because we believe that fixing our body will make us feel more superior. It's important to understand it from this perspective because when we talk about how to change our culture by including more diversity, promoting equality, and instilling a belief that all bodies are good bodies, we have to raise the voices and visibility of all of the marginalized groups. And we'll talk about this more later. From your own perspective, this is where I encourage you to take a broader view. Get curious and start to think critically about the messages that you receive in the media, including social media. Bring awareness to the lack of diversity and the way different body types are portrayed. 
How much representation do you see of body sizes, of women of color, of different abilities in the media? Who is portrayed as the successful one? Who is portrayed as superior? What are the stereotypes playing out? What is the narrative around all of these different groups of individuals? Women in larger bodies are most often represented as inferior. The storylines revolve around their struggle with their weight, and they rarely take on the leading role in an empowering and body positive way. Size discrimination contributes to a belief in us that fat is bad and thin is good, and therefore we start to measure our value based on our body size. Start to look at advertisements and look at how often we're told we're not good enough by marketers. Look through a magazine and ask yourself what images and or content in there is telling you that you are good enough. Other than a magazine like Fabuplus or Beautiful Magazine, which I can also link to in the show notes, I have not seen any other publication out there that tells you that you are good enough. Every single publication is telling you that you need to be fixed and that your value is in your appearance. I encourage you to start asking, why aren't men receiving this message? When is the last time you saw an anti-aging ad for men? Or saw a man on the cover of a tabloid with his cellulite highlighted as a horrible atrocity? Or a weight loss commercial centered around a man? We can also look at mainstream body positivity and look at how a lot of it is telling women that they're all beautiful. When is the last time you saw someone telling men that they're all beautiful? Why is beauty the requirement for women? Ask yourself, who is profiting from these messages? When we break it down, the beauty industry, which is propped up by the diet industry, are the ones profiting from us hating ourselves. You can also think about the messages that you received as a child about attractiveness, a woman's worth, and what it means to exist in different body sizes, races, abilities, or have different sexual preferences. The majority of the women I work with had mothers who were invested in dieting and therefore modeled behavior that suggested that being in a larger body is something to be avoided at all costs. This is a portion of where our body image comes from, and bringing awareness to all the different ways we've absorbed these messages of inferiority is imperative to helping you regain your power. From a psychological perspective, body image issues are born out of a belief that we are not good enough. They are inherently a self-worth issue. I realized this through my work in that once a woman got to a place of feeling neutral in her body, there were still feelings of I'm not good enough and my experience was very similar to this too. I had personally worked really hard on body acceptance, but then these beliefs of I'm not good enough kept popping up in all these other areas of my life. So once I had removed the veil of body hate, the feelings of inferiority were still there. And for me, they transferred from my body onto other areas, in particular my work. Nothing I did was good enough. I was never productive enough. Uh, I was constantly afraid of criticism and judgment. And all of that was stemming from this feeling of not being good enough. That was all hidden before because I was so fixated on my body. So as much as it sucked to realize that, it was a gift. Because that underlying feeling of I'm not good enough was always there. But I had finally come around to seeing it. And once I had done that body image work, then I was able to really start working on that deeper layer of my self-worth. And by working with women over the years, I noticed the same thing over and over again. I recognized a correlation between hating your body and generally not feeling good enough, which makes a lot of sense because if you felt good enough, you wouldn't hate your body. 
which is often why a lot of women lose weight and still don't like themselves or continue to fixate on their weight in a negative way. We fixate on our body because we've been using this as a way to measure our worthiness. When that goes away, the issue of unworthiness is still there. So where does that come from? There are a bunch of factors at play that I'm not going to blow up in one episode because that would take several episodes, but it comes down to this. A solid sense of self-worth and knowing that you're worthy is consisted of two things. One, it's knowing who you are. And two, it's knowing that who you are is valuable and worthy regardless of your external circumstances or achievements. When we've been told that it's our appearance that makes us worthy, then we never really develop a sense of worthiness outside of that. We may have received overt messages of not good enough, perhaps from the way we were raised or other experiences where we were exposed to rejection and judgment, and we may have received subtle messages throughout our lives of not being good enough. And perfectionism and this need to gain approval and praise from others is a big factor. Ultimately, if you don't know who you are outside of your appearance, and you don't know that who you are is valuable and worthy, then you're likely not going to feel good enough. And we often try to fix that by trying to conform to beauty standards, and that's how it becomes a body image issue. So at the end of the day, I want people like you and my clients and everyone in general to be able to look in the mirror, not have an emotional reaction to the way they look, because their appearance is no longer connected to their worth, and you can just feel neutral in your body. That would, that's, that's great. And then on top of that, I want people to know that who they are is valuable and worthy. There are a lot of components to self-worth in terms of how to build that back up. Uh, I, this is what I teach in Rock Your Body, my 12-week online program that I run. We deconstruct all of this and then I give you the tools to build it back up so that you know who you are and that you know that who you are is valuable and worthy. That program is going to be running again probably in March. So you can go to rockyourbodynow.com forward slash enroll. That's E-N-R-O-L-L, two L's in enroll. And uh, get your name on the wait list to receive a special early enrollment bonus. I'll link to that in the show notes as well. The Coles Notes version of this is that poor body image is not about our body and fixing our body is not the answer. It's a symptom of the social oppressions and psychological influences that cause us to not feel good enough. If you were born into a society where all bodies were good bodies and where your appearance didn't define your worth and you knew that you were valuable and worthy, you would not have body image issues. Again, I have a checklist that you can download called the top 10 signs your body image could use a tune-up to help you assess this and that is available for free in the show notes for this episode. Let's blow up some body image myths. I want to blow up two body image myths that really frustrate me before I move on to the next part. Number one, having a good body image means you don't really think about your body in a negative way anymore. Okay, that's not the myth. That's the truth. (laughs) The myth would be having a good body image means you think you're beautiful and that you're attractive. Okay, no, that is a myth. You do not have to love your body. You do not have to think you're attractive. You do not have to be beautiful or think that you're beautiful. We are not all beautiful and that is okay. I don't care if people think they are beautiful. And that's where I think we go wrong with body positivity because we make it about thinking that we're beautiful and our beauty is not in our power. Thinking our beauty is in our power is how we got into this problem in the first place. 
I want you to not care about your body. I want you to go and do beautiful things. I want you to notice beauty in the world. I want you to admire the inner beauty of others. I want you to create beauty with your words, with your art, with your creativity, and with acts of kindness. That is what I want the message to be. So I hope that you can spread that. Number two, the second myth. It doesn't mean that you think you're all good all the time. You know, there's this idea that like, you're perfect. You're perfect just the way you are. Nobody's perfect. You are imperfect just the way you are. And accepting that is what's going to help you to know that you are valuable. We are made up of parts of ourselves that we like, that we don't like, that we're kind of neutral about. And that, like accepting that and embracing those parts in, that is how you get to a place where you feel comfortable with who you are. So it's about knowing that you're good enough outside of your appearance and knowing that not all of you has to be good. I mean, how much pressure would that be if you if you had to be good? Embrace your mistakes. Embrace the parts of you that you don't like. It's okay. So those are two myths that I wanted to blow up. Now let's talk about the different stages that women go through to get from point A to point B. And point A being hating your body, point B being loving your body. And I'm putting loving in quotation marks because I'm going to talk about what that means. But before we get there, I just want to mention this is about slowly moving across a spectrum in a non-linear way. I want to highlight the word slowly and I want to highlight the word non-linear. The first stage is really about dropping the hate, moving away from hating it, having less days where you hate it. So you get rid of the hate. You may not feel comfortable. You may not like it. That's okay. That's the first phase. That's the first step. So the more days that you have where you don't hate it, and it, maybe you don't even hate it. Maybe your point A is, is, I don't hate it. I just don't really like it and I don't feel comfortable. That's great because there are a lot of people that are at a point where every day they hate it. The second stage is accepting parts of you that you don't like and being okay with that. So getting to a place where you feel more neutral about it where you don't really think negatively about it anymore. And that's a great place to be. If you are there, that is a worthy of celebration because feeling neutral about it and accepting that you don't like certain parts, that's pretty good. That's, I, I celebrate that for people who are at that phase. Moving past that phase, you get to a point where you can start to appreciate it. And what I mean by that is you appreciate what it does for you. So it doesn't mean that you necessarily like parts of your body or like the way they look, but you can appreciate what they do for you. So it's about getting to the place where feelings about your body are pretty neutral, but you can appreciate the things that they do and maybe even start to like them a little bit, but that's not a requirement. And then down the road, you get to a place where you start to quote unquote, love it. Now, let me break down the word love because it is not what you are thinking. I have never woken up in the morning and think, I love my body. No. Love is about having kindness, respect, trust, and compassion. So those are the components of a loving relationship. And so really you're getting to a point where you have a loving relationship with your body. You don't necessarily love the appearance or look at yourself with lust or feel like a bursting sense of love that you might feel when you embrace someone that you really love or your pet or your child. The relationship that you have with other people that is defined as love is not similar to the relationship that you have with yourself that's defined as love. All it means is that you are treating yourself with kindness, respect, trust, and compassion. You trust it. You have compassion for it. You're kind to yourself. You respect it. 
And that goes by the actions and your words that you are, um, that you're using. Ultimately, for people who work with me, the goal is to get you to a place where you know you are valuable and worthy, regardless of what you look like, and you don't really think about your body anymore. I really couldn't care if you think you're beautiful or not. And this can take years and everyone's experience looks different. So that's important to know. Years. Years, years, years. Many of us have come from diet culture where we want where we received instant gratification. Unpacking years of body hatred and all of the different components to it takes a long time. I encourage you to be patient and actively work on it and know that this takes time and that progress happens more gradually and it's not like these big instant gratifying moments. Although there are some, which I think are great and I encourage you to celebrate those and really think about them and reflect on them, but progress happens pretty slow. For some basic steps to take to improve your body image, get the free 10-day body confidence makeover. And if you're looking to take this deeper, then head to rockyourbodynow.com forward slash enroll. And it's enroll with two L's to get your name on the early notification list for when the program will begin in March. Let's break down a summary of popular terminology in the body positive anti-diet community. I wanted to cover some words and phrases that are important to understand, and I'm giving you short summaries here because we could blow these up into many episodes, but let's just start with the basics today because if you are newer to this, perhaps you've heard some terminology that you're like, what? What is she talking about? What are those words? And maybe even you are familiar with these words, but this will be a good resource for you to revisit if you're trying to explain it to somebody else. Word number one, definition number one, diet culture. Diet culture describes the culture that we live in that demonizes fat bodies, praises those invested in the dieting game, and attaches morality to food choices. It's the culture that makes you feel as though you need to be participating in weight control measures in order to be a successful and worthy individual. In other words, it's the reason people say, I'm so bad, after they eat a piece of cake. It's the reason we feel we need to order salad at a restaurant because otherwise people will judge us. It's the reason we think we're addicted to certain foods when we're not. It's the reason people spend so much time documenting their food and sharing it on social media as if it's their only hobby and identity. It's a culture invested in dieting and weight loss, and it is fueled by body shame. For more on the history of diet culture, which is fascinating, check out episode 77 of Fearless Rebel Radio with Virgie Tovar as my guest. Health culture or healthism. This is used to describe how we've put health on a moral pedestal based on the assumption that health is solely our responsibility as individuals and that we can control it by food and wellness and that that makes us a morally superior individual. A lot of diet culture falls under the guise of health culture. It's like, I'm not dieting, I'm just healthy or I'm just obsessed with my healthy lifestyle. But really it's dieting. Health is not necessarily in our control, and it's also important to acknowledge that someone's health is, is their prerogative, and it is not an obligation for worthiness. This idea that healthy is the new skinny, and well, as long as someone is happy and healthy, they can do what they want, it's a very ableist point of view because not everyone can control their health or happiness. This is something that Michelle Ellman and I talked about in episode 76, so you can check that out for more details there. Health at every size. 
Health at Every Size is a book and a movement. The book is written by Linda Bacon, which dispels the myths around weight regulation and the relationship between health and body size, as well as providing lots of research around why, why dieting does not work and that there are no proven safe forms of long-term weight loss. On a more fundamental level, it is a movement that supports people of all sizes in addressing health directly by adopting healthy behaviors from a weight-neutral perspective. Weight-neutral meaning your weight may go up, it may go down, or it may stay the same, and that an individual's healthiest weight is unique to them. I will clarify that health at every size doesn't mean you can be healthy at every size. Rather, it's to say that we as individuals have a weight range, referred to as our set point, whereby when we are adopting healthy, non-obsessive behaviors like sleeping, eating foods that make us feel good, eating enough for our energy expenditure, moving our bodies, our weight will settle within its healthiest place for us, which looks different on everyone because we are not golden retrievers. If you have health problems, taking a health at every size approach means you address the health problem and not weight as the problem. You treat the condition and not a possible side effect. I highly recommend reading Health at Every Size. It's a really important book to dispel a lot of these myths that we've been taught about health and weight and dieting. Fat phobia. This word is used to describe the oppression of larger bodies and often the demonization of larger bodies in our culture, as well as the fear of gaining weight within ourselves. This is the result of shameful stereotypes that we've wrongly associated with bigness, such as that being in a larger body means that you are unhealthy, lazy, or unattractive. It shows up when we judge and police other people, where we, it shows up when we make assumptions about what people are eating, what they're wearing, and their health based on their appearance. Internalized fat phobia is when we internalize these stereotypes associated with fat phobia and inflict that self-hate that self-hate onto ourselves. For example, believing that you are lazy because you are in a larger body or believing that you would be lazy if you gained weight. So for the most part, if you have body image issues, you have internalized uh, fat phobia and you have these fat phobic beliefs. And so rewiring those beliefs and challenging those beliefs is a really important process of getting to the point where you feel neutral in your body. Fat activism, as defined by the National Association to Advance Fat Acceptance, is a political movement that advocates for the rights and dignity of fat people. Their goal is to help build a society in which people of every size are accepted with dignity and equality in all aspects of life. Knowing this matters because all bodies cannot be seen as worthy unless fat bodies are seen as worthy. All bodies cannot be seen as worthy unless bodies of color are seen as worthy, and trans bodies, etc. And to change that paradigm, we must open our eyes to the discrimination that is both overt and subtle. Size discrimination is prevalent in our society, as well as the other forms of discrimination. Some examples of size discrimination include wage disparity, access to unbiased health care and insurance, less job opportunities, and bullying. More subtle forms of discrimination would be the assumptions that people make about health activity level and eating habits based on someone's size. And this stuff is rampant. When you start to open your eyes to this, you see that it's everywhere. I watched that movie Zootopia, which is like a kid's cartoon movie. And I don't know if you've seen it, but there's a character that I believe it's a cheetah who works for the police force and he's a larger bodied cheetah, but he's depicted as donut obsessed. He's depicted as slower and clumsy. 
And it's those messages that get into kids' heads that start to instill these fat phobic beliefs. So when you open your eyes, you start to see that these insidious forms of discrimination are everywhere. And that's why it's really important to start to speak out about it, start to raise awareness about it in order to change the culture. NAFA, the National Association to Advance Fat Acceptance, was actually founded in 1969, which should make you think, why are we still dealing with this? And why are you, my dear listener, perhaps hearing about this here for the first time? We have a long way to go. Let's talk about thin privilege. Thin privilege is a term used to describe the privileges associated with being someone who lives in a body deemed acceptable by society, acceptable in quotations, and it only exists because of size stigma. As a thin or in-between sized person, this is not to say that you can't have a messed up body image or that you don't struggle emotionally. Rather, it's about acknowledging that your experience is not the same as someone who actually lives in a larger body. For example, me, as someone who is an in-between slash smaller sized person, I can eat pizza without getting bullied or side-eye from strangers, whereas a larger bodied person may not. I can shop at most stores. I can go to my doctor and I am not judged based on my weight. And I'll talk more about size discrimination in a bit, but if you are someone who exists in a body that can shop at most stores, that doesn't get bullied, that hasn't been denied a job because of your size or stereotyped against, then you have privilege. And it's important to acknowledge and respect that your experience is not the same as someone else. And that includes not calling yourself fat if you are not. If you don't like your body, that is one thing. When society attacks you because of your body, that's another thing. And if you don't experience that, then you have privilege. So this is important to understand because if you are someone who's in a thinner or more in-between size body, check your privilege, which means that you bring attention to your words and your actions to make sure that you're not harming others who actually experience discrimination and that you're using privilege to be an ally to help eradicate fat phobia. I'm going to link to an article in the show notes written by Melissa A. Fabello on three important lessons from my mistakes as a thin ally to fat acceptance movements, because she gives some good examples of how we inadvertently can do harm sometimes when we are thinking we are helping the cause. So those are some important definitions. These are abbreviated summaries. We could absolutely unravel these a lot more, but this is kind of just a 101. So let's talk about what it means to be body positive. Body positivity is the belief that all bodies, inclusive of races, ages, gender identities, and abilities, are equally valuable and worthy and most importantly deserve equal rights. We can practice this in two ways. One is through the individual who practices body positivity for themselves by embracing their body regardless of its appearance and resisting standards and constraints that have been placed upon women in our culture. This could include wearing a bikini and letting your cellulite be seen. It might mean buying out of diet culture, or it might mean speaking up at work and no longer abiding by the rule that women need to be demure. The second way and more important way is by acknowledging and participating in the body positive movement, which is the social and political movement that strives for equality, including visibility and representation for all bodies, again, races, genders, abilities, ages, etc., in my personal experience and having worked with women, I generally see most people start by practicing it for themselves and then starting to recognize the larger social picture. Let's talk about what I consider mainstream body positivity or gateway body positivity to give you an example. 
that would be somebody like Amy Schumer. Now, I love Amy Schumer's work, but the woman is often hailed as a body positive representative in Hollywood, yet I haven't seen her use her platform to speak out about the broader issues. Similarly, think about Dove and Special K co-opting body positivity for their marketing, yet they do nothing to educate their consumers on these issues that are vital to actually doing away with size discrimination, and in my opinion, they contribute to a culture obsessed with female appearance. To stay in the me zone, that is to say, practicing body positivity for yourself, without understanding the broader social and political implications, doesn't do much to promote the worthiness of all bodies, thereby subtly contributing to inequality via silence. Now, that's not to say that you need to be a loud and proud activist, because activism is not an obligation, but there are ways that you can help to promote equality, and awareness is the first step. Let's talk about body positivity as a movement. Acknowledging what it is really about is the first step. And before I go any further, I need to tell you that I am absolutely not an expert on intersectional feminism or fat acceptance, nor do I speak for fat bodies, as I am not one. I acknowledge that I have privilege and that my experience is not the same as someone who is larger bodied than me, and I am still learning a lot of this. So I am sharing this summary with you, knowing that there is still a lot I need to discover and learn and educate myself on and do better with. And if you have any advice or suggestions with me, for me, or feedback, I am, I am all ears, so send it my way. So the definition that I love of the body positivity movement comes from Ashley Shackelford, who writes for Wear Your Voice magazine. And I'll link to this article in the show notes. She says, the body positive movement is largely based in intersectional feminism and encourages the end to body shame, beauty standards, and violence against all bodies. The subsector movements within it include fat positivity to empower and protect fat bodies, disability empowerment and justice, empowerment and protection of trans and gender non-conforming bodies, reproductive justice, an end to colorism and empowerment of dark skin bodies, the empowerment and protection of non-straight identifying folks, and an overall end to anti-blackness. There is no body positivity without focusing on how anti-blackness operates, how white supremacist patriarchy harms everyone, and how Black Lives Matter must always be a part of the conversation. End quote. I love this quote because it sums up how it's so much more than just fat bodies and it's so much more than just people like Amy Schumer posting naked pictures of themselves you know it, it brings it back to all of these oppressive structures that I talked about before and it goes to show how much mainstream body positivity is not really moving the needle and that's not to criticize any of the people participating in that it's just let's all just kind of wake up and try to do better and that's a message to myself too It's a reminder that people with other marginalized identities have very different life experiences and potentially a greater burden. For me, there is so much more I need to learn, and this is only scratching the surface, but the main takeaway here that I want you, listener, to understand is that body positivity is so much more than just feeling good in your body and, you know, showing our body on social media. So what do we do? How can we help? For the record... There is nothing wrong with practicing body positivity for yourself. I think it's a wonderful thing to be doing, and I think you are being a role model to others by doing this. That said, 
it's important to look at whether there is a way that you could help more with the elimination of other biases. You can look into activism, and Reagan Chastain gives suggestions for that on her blog, which I will link to. And again, activism is not an obligation. Alternatively, you can do some everyday acts of activism in your life. For example, and this is not an extensive list, perhaps if you're a mother, you share narratives that illustrate diversity and equality with your kids. You help your kids to become media literate. Maybe it means you ask your school to rethink curriculum if they are teaching kids about weight being a factor in health, or if they aren't putting a focus on Black history within the curriculum. Maybe you ask them to include some kind of curriculum on body image or body positivity. It means you speak out if you see size discrimination at play, assuming you feel comfortable doing that or any forms of discrimination. Maybe you start to share articles on social media or you donate to causes and pick a cause to become more active in and become more educated on these matters. None of these things are an obligation and it's not to say that your efforts or the efforts of someone like Amy Schumer aren't valuable because many of many people have no idea about the roots of body positivity and I certainly didn't when I started this work. Therefore, my point is not to make you feel bad about what you're doing, and it is certainly not to make you feel like you're not doing enough, because I recognize the importance of doing this work on ourselves first, and the last thing I would want to do is make you feel like you're not doing enough. My point is to encourage you to learn and be willing to grow in an effort to shift the paradigm. With that said, for those of you that are newer to this, it's important to understand the roots of the body positive movement in order to be critical of what you're seeing online and in the media, and in order to actively participate in promoting equality. The truth is, is that the way body positivity is portrayed in the mainstream continues to silence the people who need visibility. And so the same way as I asked you to be critical of media before, be critical of what's being promoted as body positive as well. And what I want you to do with this is just learn, start reading, start listening, and then take some action. I welcome any feedback or suggestions on this as well. You can join the discussion in my private Facebook community, which you can get access to in the show notes or at summerinandin.com forward slash community. Again, all of the links and resources mentioned here will be in the show notes at summerinandin.com forward slash seven nine. Wow, that was an epic episode. I hope that you found it beneficial. I would be curious to know what you want more of, what you want to learn more about, what you need. Join the discussion in my Facebook community and tell me. I will put together the things that you need to help you with your journey and understanding as well. And I will bring guests on the show who are experts in these other areas where I am not an expert to help you learn more. Don't forget to download the top 10 signs your body image could use a tune-up checklist, which will help you assess your body image available for free in the show notes. Thank you guys for sticking with me today. Please leave a review if you haven't already done so. Please share this episode if you feel it would help other people. And I will see you later. Rock on. Rock on.